Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Oh, I got a live one here. Alright, welcome to a new episode of Spears and Steinberg, yep. otherwise known as the Jew and the Jerk. A.K.A. the Jew and the Jerk, as we're here in the fucking tundra. Yeah. Back in Pittsburgh, uh, had a little bit of a scare, because they predicted a snowstorm, 10 inches of snow, they predicted my dick size here in Pittsburgh from the balls to your knees the foot of your feet the sole of your feet to your knees my balls to the tip uh, power lines down and by the grace of the Lord none of it happened now, it was even the sun was out today yeah but we got some snow though today this morning mild shit compared it, to 10 inches and it's cold I'll take that but I didn't want the fucking snow to uh, what are you looking for I was going to show you the no smoking sign. Oh, I'm glad you said that because uh, that <laughs> takes me to Lethal Weapon 3. Riggs and Murtaugh are sitting in the fucking chief's office. And uh, the chief says to, to Riggs, hey, you got to cut your hair. And uh, Or no, Riggs says something to the chief. And the chief goes, you know, that's why I don't have ulcers because I know how to say I don't give a fuck. And as Riggs and Murtaugh making their way out of the office, Riggs is smoking a cigarette in the office. And the chief throws Riggs a sign that says, do you know what that says? And the, the, the thing he threw Riggs had the, the plaque says no smoking. And then there was another sign on the door as they're exiting that said no smoking. So the chief goes, hey, you know what that plaque says? Riggs goes, yeah, same thing as this, but I don't give a fuck. And he throws <laughs> it back to the chief. So there we go. <laughs> Oh, uh, so you you didn't know they were supposed to get this cold though? It's Pittsburgh. It's January, of yeah. course. I don't give a fuck about the cold. I'm prepared. I got long johns and a hoodie and a jacket. I was worried about the snow because that would affect my business. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, so yeah. as long as the business wasn't affected, my bottom line, I didn't give a fuck about that. So for some reason, we just got extremely lucky. No, and we had a good and we had a good turnout, even though people were anticipating it to be bad. Yeah, the, the weather to be bad. Right, I'm in a foul mood. I woke up in a foul fucking mood. Why, dude? I'm going through a lot of insecurities, man. I'm insecure, and yes, this is me on my soapbox again. 
until it fixes, here the fuck we go. So bear with me. Um, I'm insecure about my career. I'm insecure about my position in life. But I was really insecure today about my dick size. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be for effect. I'm I'm being honest. Like I'm 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 like I was looking online for natural herbal dick enhancements. Cause I really believe that the woman who I really want to be with and who I love, my gut is telling me she's fucking somebody else. And I'm like, Jesus, Jesus, dude, is my dick big enough, girthy enough, and long enough? So I was looking online for dick supplements, natural dick supplements. Cause I'm thinking I'm not, I'm not doing a good enough job. And uh, I found this thing. It's called, uh, shit, bear with me. What's that from? The dating game. That's exactly what it's from. Yeah. Call back to a previous podcast where I mentioned that. And Tengo. E-N-T-N-G-O. Manhood Herbal Remedy. And it goes on to say, this and Tengo and Molundo, and these two products are from Africa, Penis combo makes men to stimulate and increase the blood flow into the erectile chambers of the penis during sex. As time passes, this massive increase in blood flow will cause the erectile chambers to expand and create larger, thicker, and more powerful erections that will last all your lovemaking time. And most exciting of all of that, the penis and tango combo, blah, 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 blah. And it goes on to talk about your dick being bigger. But then what made me nervous uh, was that, again, it used Africa as its sticking point. And it said something to the extent of African men have more than one spouse. Many of their women refuse to leave them despite low wages and poor conditions and they have a shitload of kids insinuating that this dick potency is so strong (laughs) that it'll make a bitch stick with you through poverty through countless kids uh and strife and i was like dude africa is your example first of all you 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 fuck when you're bored because it's the and you, when you're poor and you seek pleasure, what's better than sex? And Africa's not a great example because along with all that fucking comes AIDS, and AIDS runs rampant in Africa. I heard once heard a comedian say, "Dude, when I go visit Africa, I leave my dick at home." And as I say in my own stand-up, and I know this is gonna piss some Africans off if you're listening, which chances are if you're in Africa, you're not because you don't even have a fucking radio due to your poverty and strife. But anytime I make fun of African culture, especially when I was on Twitter, Africans would get mad at me because they hate the stereotypes that they're just all poor savages running around butt naked that lack human resources and they don't live in the 21st century. And I go on to say, uh, I know there are beautiful African women out there. Legit purebred African women but as I say uh, Ethiopian girls look heads look like light bulbs they got big heads with little necks and I go how come every time I go to Africa every African bitch looks like Don Cheadle so but that's comedic purposes um, I know there's beautiful women in Africa but it's a needle in a haystack 
because that culture is still what's how you do it? welcome to africa and uh so you're not planning on an african tour anytime now no but i've been to south africa twice and it's a beautiful fucking place some of it and then some of it is rape country you don't want to be out there alone by yourself in certain places they will rape you man and woman so uh i don't know if africa is the best measuring stick uh for sexual excellence but even though i know there are american women who listen my, my one of my best friends ivan he used to say this shit all the time and i never would put it on a in a joke and say it on stage because he would come to my shows and as much as he loves me and supports me when you shine the light on someone especially in front of a crowd and you have to make them reflect upon themselves they might not take it easy and my boy is one of these dudes who i who i always used to say his two talents was fucking and fighting some motherfuckers the Mike Tyson of the streets can knock anybody out and can fight his ass off. And he's a, he either should have been the next Mike Tyson or the next Lexington steel. Cause this motherfucker lives to fuck. Uh, and I don't think he was really good at anything else. He tried to be a chef, which was laughable. He even went to college and got a chef's degree or whatever the fuck you need to be qualified as a chef. But I was like, nigga, who are you kidding? Your dick gets hard when you fight, and your dick gets hard when it's time to fuck. I even think your dick gets hard. Why are you fucking? Why are you fighting? Uh, <laughs> that's how he wins the fight. That's how he wins the fight. Like it's just not for you. This cooking shit. It's cute that you tried to do something different, but nigga, that's not you. Um. So, but he was one of them dudes where you know, listen, I was envious of his fuck game. This nigga has no job. He's one year older than me. He's 44. He's lived with his mother since birth. I mean, there were times where he would live with his baby's mama. But even when he was living with her, no job. He never could keep a job. Always got fired. Most times because he fucked, beat up the boss. Um, never aspired to do anything, really. Got no money, no bank accounts. Doesn't even have a car. And I don't want to use the word lazy, but he just, he's one of them niggas that it's like he makes excuses for why he can't excel. But he's my best friend and I love him and would do anything for him because I know that when push come to shove, all I have to do is make the phone call and he will murder a motherfucker for me. And that kind of loyalty you can't buy. So, uh... And his bitch stayed with him for so long. And I'm just going, what woman finds a man not being a provider sexy? What woman finds a man not being a man in that sense sexy? What woman in her right fucking mind would be with a man with no job, no aspirations, no goals, no money, no nothing? But he was a pole vaulter. But he would knock the pussy out of lining. And I just was like, God damn. And I and I, I would envy him because I, I was like, you know, I wish I had that kind of fucking power. I wish I could fuck abroad so silly that she would look past goals to want to fuck with me. Um, 
So you think a gr- like a girl will take a good fuck game at McDonald's versus a shitty fuck game? A girl who's not equipped enough to know better. Or, listen, even if you know better, I really firmly believe there are some motherfuckers out there who are just magical when it comes to the fuck game. And they, they, it, it's, it's like a, it's like a drug. It's like a, a, a hypnotism. It, they just, they just, they could fuck you up. And I think that's where I'm at, because with the woman I'm talking about, to anybody that's ever seen the movie Boomerang with Eddie Murphy, you saw it, right? Mm-hmm. It was like you know, Marcus Graham, Eddie, Eddie Murphy. He was that dude, suave, smooth, knew how to fucking get a bitch. He had all the tricks, all the tricks to the trade. His when he did that scene with Robin Givens and talking about the secret to my salmon, and she wasn't impressed. Any other bitch he could impress from the cooking to the game to the sex, he was that guy. And I feel like I'm Marcus Graham. Nine times out of ten, between my game, my humor, my foreplay, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, episode 27, the Pussy Podcast. Scroll back and listen to that. I proudly brag. I'm a monster. When it comes to hoes, I know how to diddle a bitch mentally and emotionally and physically. But this one broad who I'm talking about, she's like my Robin Givens. I, I feel like I can't impress this bitch. And I'm intimidated by her. And I hate to use the word intimidated because it makes me sound weak and scared. But it's like I feel like this is the one bitch whose pussy I can't knock out of lining. And, and I'm going... Is is my dick big enough? Am I am I girthy enough? Am I good enough? What the fuck am I doing wrong? And listen, since I've gained weight, they say for 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 every what is it twenty pounds you lose, you gain a certain number of inches. This bitch used to tell me back in my days when I was in my prime, when I was the shit. Oh, ooh, you all in my stomach. I don't even think I'm in that bitch's. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to search for it. I don't even think I'm even close anymore. And, and and I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just going through some really insecure shit and I can't figure it out. And, 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 and you know, black people, we're not big culturally on therapy. Like, I feel like I, I feel like I want to see a therapist. I'm going to start seeing a therapist. But black people, and, and we need to get past this because uh, uh, we have so many hangups as a culture. I think that uh, black people's therapist has always been big mama, grandmama, mama. And when all else fails, nigga, eat some fried chicken, macaroni, cheese, and collard greens. That's therapy. We need to take mental health seriously. That's the Sopranos And talk style. to a fucking therapist. Yeah. And I feel like I want to talk to a therapist. I feel like this is my therapy and the audience listening is my therapist, but I don't get any feedback, so I don't know what's right and what's wrong. So do you want feedback? Something. Maybe this is your opportunity. Since since your dick is shrinking, maybe you're going to get funnier. <laughs> that's, a fu- <laughs> that's a hell of a trade-off. It's a hell of a fucking trade-off. Right now, if you could lose two inches from your dick, but you would be the funniest faced on the face of the earth, on the <clears throat> face of the earth, hands down, Chappelle would take a distant second to you Oof. right now. Oof. You give up two inches? And, an, and 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 some girthiness. 
That's got to come with some success, though. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. <laughs> and, and bazillions of dollars. And hands down, everybody knows you're the fucking funniest in the land. I, I'll take a dick the size of a, a midget's toe. A midget's toe could be pretty big, though, because their extremities. I know, but they only look like drumettes. But for that, for that kind of, down. but for for fame, and, and, and everything I dreamed. You, but when you look in the mirror, you get everything that you dream. But when you look in the mirror, it's just barely hanging right there. It doesn't even go over the balls. That's evil. That's so <laughs> evil, nigga. He's just, just sitting on top of the balls. I ain't gonna say his name because it's my dude, and I don't want to alienate him. Again, not that he ever listens to the podcast, but if we ever do blow up and get to that supreme level, uh, motherfuckers might check the backlogs and we get in trouble. But there's a top-notch NBA player in the league, one of the greatest players of all time, Hall of Famer. I don't even want to say his position because if I say his position, you limit, you, 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 you'll process of elimination. Uh, this motherfucker's blessed with everything. Super fame, one of the and I'm not just naming some nigga that you'd go, oh, if I said his name, you would be like, who the fuck doesn't know who he is? This nigga's one of the best Hall of Famer, All Star, multiple championships. If we're feeding into the stereotype that black men, all black men, have big dicks, and you would think as an athlete, and listen. My, the, the woman who I'm talking about, my baby moms, right? She's been with some fucking pro ball players. And I'm not kidding myself. These niggas are tall, slim, trim, six-pack, in <laughs> shape. They have endurance. I know this bitch has had a schlong before. But again, big dick don't, you know, that ain't the end-all, be-all. You still have to have the other ingredients. That's great for the fucking, but you got to have the other ingredients to make it last. So I'm just saying, you would think that a motherfucker with all this beauty in terms of fame, wealth, success, it's almost would be like, damn, that's fucked up. This thing is blessed with a big dick too. But apparently, from what I've heard, from what I've read, from two of the women I know I fucked that fucked them, this nigga's dick is the size of a baby's pinky. No, it can't be a baby's pinky. Let's be I'm, I'm exaggerating. I know you are, but let's be, you know. But it's small, nigga. Maybe a, maybe a thumb. Maybe a th- it's small. <laughs> and it almost makes you feel like, oh, my God, there's a God. This nigga can't have everything. So to your question, to be him yeah. and have it all but be lacking there, whew, whew. Your ego as a man makes you go, I don't want no little dick, but I don't want to be in the poor house either. <laughs> and to have the kind of money and fame where, yo, you could have, you could pay a bitch to, to fake it. This motherfucker was married and had several kids with a broad. So whether, did she really love him? I believe she did, but. May have faked it too. So, like, okay, so, like, you're fucking her, right? 
and you got this little dick going, and you're giving it to her, and you're giving it to her. And you can't say best. little dick and giving it. You're giving it the best you can. Uh, best you can, but you can't you can. say giving it, because giving it, it implies you putting a hammer down. You're giving what you can, and just before you come, you just take a stack, and you just throw it on her at the same time that you come. <laughs> And In she, case that bitch forgets. And she goes, oh! <laughs> you marry that bitch. <laughs> I love it. You marry that bitch. <laughs> but if your dick is monstrous, nigga, you could do that same shit and throw a stack of pennies on that bitch. And she'll still scream, ah. Dude, I know this comic. He's not He's not overly liked right now, too. He's going through some shit. But I, w- I, I was hanging out with him, and he was, he, this girl... Uh, she didn't want to fuck him. He brought her. He he brought her to uh, one of the cities. Right. He was at, and she didn't want to fuck him because uh, his dick was too big. She was like, "Nah, not tonight." And I've heard women say that porn stars who I've fucked with, I've heard them go, "Yo, it can be too big to where it's uncomfortable." And 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 you know, she had to prepare for it. Right. Want to be ready for it? She had yeah, to- I, I, you know, I don't need monster. I'll put it like this, and this uh, goes to your joke. When I was slim trimming in my prime, like I got pictures of myself because I'm such a vain nigga. I got pictures of myself in my phone. One of my favorite pictures, I remember Comedy Central did an award show for comedians and Dave won a couple of awards and I went as a presenter and I got on like a like a white Kango hat with some white sweats and a navy blue tight shirt. Andy. When I tell you, nigga, I was sexy, nigga. I got on Gucci shades, and you could see my traps, my arms, my chest, had a flat stomach. And that's that's when I was the guy, nigga, to the point where when you do that joke about uh, capture. Yeah. And I don't want to give away your joke. Yeah, I don't care. Joke. I don't even do it that often. But there was a point in time, and every man has measured his dick to some degree. I used to be able to put both my hands around my dick from the base, one fist and another fist around the rest of my dick. And my head of my dick would stick out a nice little distance. Nigga, since the diabetes and the weight, I do that now. My shit's captured, nigga. It's a turtle. My shit's a (laughs) turtle, nigga. And I'm just going, fuck. My my when I was at my best, my ideal weight was one ninety. One ninety. I'm two thirty five now. So what is that? Forty five pounds? Ninety to ninety to two hundred, ten, two hundred to two thirty five thirty five. So yeah, forty five. Nigga, when I was in my prime, any I'm not fucking around. I was a, I was Denzel from Mo Better Blues. I was a sexy motherfucker. And listen, we mentioned this on a podcast before. Even when dudes get fat or old, balding, charisma is still charisma. Sex appeal is still sex appeal. Sean Connery still has it, never lost it, even though he's aged. James Gandolfini, women loved him. Motherfucking Kevin James. Women love Kevin James. Fat motherfucker. He's funny. Women can forgive physical appeal or looks if you are fucking hilarious and you're 
cute. You'd still be you'd still be fat and cute. I always used to say a cute fat bitch is a waste of face. To be a cute fat bitch, it's like, oh my God, girl, because you fat. I can see your gorgeousness. I can see your potential. You are a cute bitch, but you fat. What a waste of face. If you drop that weight, bitch, you are a dime. Now you 87 nickels. But just. So I have women that tell me today. And I'm not being vain. To anybody listen to this, I'm not being vain or braggadocious. I'm telling you what it really is. There are women that come up to me to this day. After shows, I get off stage, I'm fucking sweating. Can I give you a hug? Can I give you a kiss? Kiss me on my cheek. Last night, a woman grabbed my balls. Because I'm funny as a motherfucker and I got swagger and confidence and it reads on stage. And I'm not afraid to call women bitches. And I'm not afraid to talk about real shit. And they respect that. This nigga's different. There's a lot of cute six-pack niggas walking around who got no confidence. There's a lot of six-pack niggas walking around gorgeous in the face like uh, Boris Kojo and Shamar Moore whose game is whack. When they open their mouth, they kill the whole situation. They ain't got a funny bone in their body. Niggas are cornballs. I'm a fucking thick slash sloppy nigga, but yo, my, my, my game and my talk skills is unbelievable. So there are women who still find me attractive and sexy. But when I was 20, I was a problem, son. But now my ego is fucked up. I'm, I'm feeling insecure. But so your girl when you were in your 20, when you were in your 20s, yeah. did you feel any of this insecurity then? No, I was the most arrogant I could have ever been. I knew my, sh- my doo-doo was flamboyant, nigga. <laughs> well, then maybe next when you get home... And you throw it in there this next time, you should just, like I said, throw, throw a stack of change on it. And just yell, turtle power. And <laughs> walk the fuck out. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> fuck. You just been fucked by Donatello. And leave the room. There it is. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. I don't know. What is a midlife crisis? I hear that. What is a midlife crisis? Am I going through that? Am I just on my fucking soapbox? No, I think you just question yourself right now, but I don't think you're in a midlife. Midlife crisis is usually when a guy like gives up on his family and buys a Porsche or a Ferrari or whatever just to make him and and needs. See, this is what this is the interesting thing about that you're on the road all the time because it's usually guys that question who they are as far as they're if they're still attractive, if they're still uh, relevant. And because you're on the road all the time because people are coming to see you because people are attracted to you. But those girls are coming up to you. Like you said, you, you know, you you're getting validated. You don't you probably don't have that midlife crisis. Yours is on your own shit that you're putting. I'm your getting validated. But then that's the crossroads. I'm getting validated. And that's nice. And it's an ego feeder. But I'm at the point in my life and at the age of my life now where I want validation, not from random hoes. I got all that when I was 20 and I needed it and wanted it and got it. I got all that and needed it and wanted it and got it when I was 30. Now at 43, yes, it's nice to get it, but now I want it from a specific person. See, it's kind of. And I'm not getting it from them and it's pissing me off because I'm going, bitch, don't you know who I am was? Bitch, don't you know what the fuck I do? Don't you know that when I get on that stage and I destroy it like I'm Prince? 
why you not responding the way these other hoes is? Why you just see me as, oh, that's uh, Aries. Where all these other hoes go, that nigga right there? I need her to give me the, that nigga right there? Well, you kind of have in the reverse because most people get to a certain age and they want they need the validation from everyone, not right. just that one person. But can I ask you this question? This is a serious question. It's not going to sound serious, but it is a serious question. Yeah, the girl you're talking about, the woman that you that you're talking about, has she ever seen you taking a shit? Has she ever seen you on the toilet? Because she's seen shit in my underwear. See, this is the thing. I'm going to say this. I truly believe to keep things sexy, women can't see you that way. Because then they do see you like they see everybody else. But they see you like that when you when they wash your drawers. And what woman hasn't washed her man's drawers and seen a motherfucking chocolate love streak in there? <laughs> Get colored underwear. Fuck that, nigga. My shit potent. I bleed through black. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? With my diet, nigga, Dude, you might see a plethora of colors in there. I, I don't want it. Like... I, I really think though that that's the, you you become like everybody else. You got to keep it. But look, here's the yin and the yang. Realistically, you don't want no woman to be with you if she's not really into you. You don't want a pretender, right? Because that's a dangerous road. Because if she's not really into you for you, as soon as there's a crack in the, or an opening, she's gonna take advantage of you and get you for your money and leave you and do all that other shit. So a woman that. Can 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 sleep with you, like that one time we were in whatever part of California we were in doing a show, and we had to bunk up and be roommates. Yeah, nigga, I snore oh. to the point where I wake up to dead. So when a woman can lay with you, hear you snore, uh, you hot boxer, Dutch oven, <laughs> clean shit out your drawers. And you not that attractive. Your toenail, you don't get pedicures for a while. Your toenails look like Detroit niggas' fingernails. For a woman to stay with you through all of that, that's a legitimate love. That is, but I'm saying you got to keep some of that things that are very that are completely unsexy. Is you got to keep that away as much as possible. I, I disagree with that. I, I that's the, 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 being unsexy is human nature. Yeah, no one walks around beautiful and glamorous that's why when you see these these bitches who work in hollywood without their makeup nigga they're fucking hideous yeah so if a dude is with them through that that's real love because being the starlet at the red carpet that's bullshit that's business right that's real love is being able to go this bitch looks like rosie o'donnell nigga at her worst and I still love her. I get what you're saying, and I understand, and I agree with that. But what I'm saying is, a woman, when when you say, when you're at a restaurant and you go, excuse me, I have to use the restroom, she shouldn't have a visual image of you sitting on the toilet. Uh, yes, she should. Nah. Yes, she should. She should see you, because when you come back, you don't want to be the guy that was on the toilet. You want to be the sexy dude that's in front that's of her. That's not realistic. That's not realistic. I, I, she should be able to hear all your butt noises and go, I still dig this nigga. Now, I see. I, I, you, you should be able to lay a bomb the size of Hiroshima in the bathroom. And when you get out, she goes, oh, my God, and still love you. Yeah, all that's true. But that shouldn't be the daily. That shouldn't be how she not sees you Not daily, day. but goddamn. I'm just saying it should be. It's part of life. If it happens, it happens. But it shouldn't be something that is, like, very casual. I, I really. It's, the more casual, the better. Ah. Uh, I disagree. 
Anything else is a false act. I, I but just because it's just because we all do it doesn't mean that we have to show it. I'm I not think. saying purposely go out of your way to show it, but it's part of human nature. It's part of life. And bitch, if you can't love me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Yeah, I don't like Marilyn. I don't need her. I, Who's Marilyn? I, Marilyn Monroe. That's her quote. That right there. Yeah. So you just want her with the dress being blown open? No, on, over the I'm subway saying, grade. No, I'm. If my girl came home and she uh, and she was at work and she's sick and she's throwing up, and I, I'll clean up her puke. I'll put her to bed. I'll do all the. But that's how I saw her as sick. I don't want to see. I, in my mind, I don't want to visualize her daily as that person that comes home and throws up. And it has to be something that I but think. But that's not a natural act to come home and be throwing up. If you're sick, I'll take care of you. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't think of her that way all the time. Right. I would not want my girl. Like if I said, when you go to a restaurant and you go, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. And you go to the bathroom. And you come back. You want to walk in looking like how you look. Not like she visualized all me. Have there you ever. And, I, and this is an interesting question because most times I don't know a single man that does a, a woman's laundry. I don't, I don't even think women would want us to do their laundry out of fear of what we might find. But if you ever watched your girl's clothes and she had a shit stain in her drawers, what happens next? I would be, I, I, I well, I was, when I was married, I did the laundry sometimes and it grossed me out. She didn't have of what shit, you saw? She didn't have a shit stain. She had one of those, she had like some bloody underwear. Again, that's nature, nigga. It's nature, but I don't need to see that. I don't want to see that. Oh, you queasy faggot. I don't want to see that. I think the older I get, the nastier I'm becoming. Like, I got a bunch of videos in in my phone of shit I've recorded with me and this bitch in hotels. And I'm telling you, dude, one of the things that give me ultimate pleasure is burying my nose in a bitch's snatch and inhaling till I can feel all my organs shift up to my throat. <laughs> it turns me on. I never want to see you take a deep breath in front of me now. That's <laughs> if you ever went, oh man, that was I'm just gonna throw up right there. That no. I, I don't know. I just I want to pitch I, I'd like that those aren't the first visuals that I have of my girl, and I don't want her to have those. I when I was married, we did we had a bathroom that didn't have a door on it. Right. It was in our bedroom. It was in our bedroom, and it was just a. It was a big bathroom, and the toilet wasn't there, but it was around the corner. Right. And I heard my girl taking a shit. One, and I don't want that's was not it her, all that. I don't want it. I don't want that, that either. I don't. I don't want, want that, that either. Um, but what I am saying is, shit. This is this is her calling me right fucking now. She, she's she oh, can hear the podcast. She can hear it, through right. the through the wavelengths of when the I, air. I inhaled just now. Uh, her booty sense. You want me to put this on Shot, pause? Yeah, put it on pause. Oh, this is what the fuck I'm talking about. And I'm going to send this bitch this podcast because I think that deep down, I always, I always would tell her, I wish you could be a fly on the wall because I don't think she believes me because I'm the boy that cried wolf so many times about my feelings. And then I go and do some shit to contradict it. But I wanted to hear this. So maybe she thinks I'm, she knows I'm not fucking lying. Like, dude. Do you know that is the fucking fuel to my soul? Her calling me just now and saying what she said, like that's the shit I fucking crave. Just show daddy some love. <laughs> you sound better right now. Just show daddy some love. Let me show you something. 
Uh, well, no, I can't show you this. Uh, but dude, like, come on, man. Do you know what that does to me? Like, it's it's sometimes I get so infatuated with it. It eats me up. Like, I just, and because I'm, I've been going through what I've been going through with this situation, with the divorce and, you know, wanting to get my life back on track and I'm fucking 43 and I'm older now and I get bitches who want to give me pussy and who come at me and I go, dude, I don't want any of it. I'm at that point now. I'm finally ready to go. I don't want any of it. Side pussy, hoes, Aries, Aries. I, I don't care. I'm getting no I want the simple life I know what I want and that's it I want to be able to do what I want to do be at peace have the main bitch at the crib be what we supposed to be and ride off into the fucking sunset I'm done I'm like Pacino and Carlito's way Gail the dream don't get no closer we gotta reach out and grab it when he was ready to go to fucking Florida and be a car salesman and Gail was pregnant and he was trying to leave the life and he just wanted to get the fuck out of Dodge and settle. And what happened? Don't say what happened. It's tragic. <laughs> I know. It's fucking just tragic. Please you. don't do that. I'm just reminding you. People, why the fuck you got to always bring up the most heinous ending? You brought it up. You said Carlito's way. I just Benny Barco from the Bronx got that nigga. Mm, yeah. That was a great. That was a great ending, man. For who? The way it ended, man, and it, because no one won. He Benny took out the dude who who turned. Who, Benny won. Benny, yeah. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Luis Guzman no, shot, shot him. him. Right. Since we on movies, this is a great transition. Oh, yeah, now. it is. Yeah, yeah. The movie of the week. We're gonna, uh, I, I think we should do this as a separate episode. No, I do, but dude, I do. I'm checking the clock. We got. Uh, 19 minutes. No, I understand. I think that going for. I mean, if people like this, I would like to do it. As, well, let's get their feedback. Maybe something we could do on your Patreon where you put it out on just that account. I don't know. Right. But I, I, I really think we got. I'd like to do these. I think there's. Well, this is the first one. And my biggest concern was how long do we hold this conversation? If it's a juicy movie, maybe we can go a while. If it's not, then we leave ourselves hanging in the wind. But what I think is interesting about this is because, uh, you know, you brought up something about music uh, uh, earlier, or you have been fighting with people online about music and us being old heads. And, right. But, you know, like revisiting some of these great movies and then finding out some of our great movies might not be as great as we thought they were. I, listen, I think that this movie is a, bo- a little bit of both. Uh, I agree with you. Right. So let's, uh, let's tell them what movie we saw. King of New York. Yep. And what a stellar cast. Fucking Steve Buscemi, Giancarlo Esposito, a great character actor that Spike Lee would use often. Wesley Snipes in his prime. David Caruso in his prime. Christopher Walken in his prime. Uh, You said Snipes, right? uh, Snipes. What a great fucking cast. And especially, listen, dude, I worked with David Caruso and it was a dream come true for me because one of my favorite shows to this day is NYPD Blue. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he in Hollywood, it's called what's it's called pulling a Caruso. 
And it's it's unfortunate. I guess this guy kind of fucked himself, but he really didn't get too fucked because he had that long stint on CSI Miami. Right. And between that run and the money he was making, he's fine. Yeah. But it felt like he should have been a major player. And I know he wanted to be a major player in the movies, uh, but for some reason, none of the movies he made caught fire. And I personally think Kiss of Death was a great fucking movie. Which one was Kiss of Death? With Nicolas Cage, Michael Rappaport, and that Sam was, Jackson. That, was, that one was all right. It's the movie he made. Uh, Jade. Jade. That fucked him. I know, but before Jade was Kiss of Death. And Kiss of Death didn't do well. Right. So he was already fucked before and then Jade. Jade came out. And Jade was, the, was I, supposed was, to be this. this but fucking, that was the nail in the coffin. Yeah. But. Plus his reputation. So between the fact that word was he was difficult to work with. He was an asshole. And then on top of that, if you if you're an asshole and you break you banging out hits, you're that's fine. forgivable. Yeah. But to be an asshole and have duds, nigga, you back on TV. But what a great situation. You're back on TV with a hit fucking series. Where TV is actually making you more money now than movies are. Now. Yeah. But back then in the nineties. CSI, you don't think he was making that kind of money? He was making good money. Yeah. But that was just Back. before you got the big, big money? Before you, in the, in the 80s and the 90s. From the time the movie business started, up until about the late, 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 late 90s into the millennium, movie actors look down on TV. Yeah. Like, like you know, we're better than you. Yeah. Now we're on the big screen. Now they want those jobs. But now, yeah, they want those jobs. And I, and I remember when I worked with David Caruso on CSI Miami, it was crazy because I never watched CSI Miami. And my whole thinking was he was going to be the same intense dude from NYPD Blue. And then finally, I peeped a couple episodes to kind of do my homework. And I know on on one episode of uh, Opie and Anthony and Patrice, they were giving him shit. And even Jim Carrey did a spoof where they were talking about how hokey and over the top his acting was on CSI Miami because he would do these takes where he would take off his glasses glasses, and say these little pun one-liners and it was like nigga you're overacting and it came off corny but he reminded me of captain kirk uh exactly what, what who's captain i don't even remember. star trek yeah but captain kirk was his real name oh uh uh motherfucker captain kirk i can't remember now he's the priceline guy jesus fucking christ anyway yeah yeah it had that feel to it where he would just say those almost william like, shatner william shatner almost like those arnold schwarzenegger lines too like right. where, where they're unnecessary but they're right. in there like if like if there was a scene in in CSI Miami where a guy got electrocuted, let's say, and that was the cause of his death, Caruso would look in the camera, take his glasses off, and go, "Well, I guess now he's officially been shocked." <laughs> and it would kick into the scene. So, yeah. So I I went on the set and I did it, and I was just like, and I wasn't going to shoot myself in the foot and fuck myself, but I just was like, "Damn, he's he, why." In my mind, I'm going, why is he making this acting choice? Why is he doing that? But, you know, listen, CSI Miami, big, huge show. Yeah. The budget, everything was top flight. I wasn't going to complain. But my last, I did, I think I did about uh, three episodes. And I played this character who was supposed to look after his son, who was like this young whippersnapper, snot-nosed kid who was getting in trouble. And his son ended up getting locked up in the same jail that i was in i saw you you saw it did you yeah and i was supposed to be looking after his son 
And uh, at one point, I, my death was a bomb went off in the prison yard. And I'm doing a dead scene, a death scene. And I've never done a death scene. So I'm just, you know, I don't want to ham it up. So I'm trying to figure out how to die. So he's leaning over me and I'm, <laughs> and I'm breathing hard. And my eyes are open and I'm, I'm dying. And I guess I went on a little bit too long. But then he just looks at me and he goes, die now. And I go, oh, oh okay. <laughs> so there was that experience. But going to King of New York. Um, die now. Die now. Um, it stands the test of time because of the cast. Yeah. And it's a great entertaining movie. But I look back on it now and I go, was motherfuckers overacted? Well, not only the overacting, but I think we learned how to, like, the movie business has learned how to tell a little bit better story. The movie might go on an extra 15 or 20 minutes, but they tell a story. Right. There's very, there's just the story. We know nothing about these characters. Right. And that was the part that bothered me. And when they did act, they were bigger than... Particularly for me, um, Lawrence Fishburne, one of the greatest fucking actors... And I know he was playing a street nigga, but it felt like some of it was too much. Yo, yeah, yeah. some of the hand movements and gestures. And I don't know if I blame him or do I blame the director, the directors and the writers. Because here's what I'm saying, especially when you go back in the 80s and late 70s, like Charles Bronson, especially those movies, like Death Wish. When you got to Death Wish 2, 3 and 4, white people's depiction of what street niggas are sometimes become so cartoonish that you go, come on, man, that ain't real. They give niggas names that niggas ain't never had. Ice pick. Crowbar. Get him, crowbar. I'm ice pick, bitch. And I'm like, what nigga is named ice pick and crowbar? Don't you know where white people learned about black people? F- from from MTV. Okay, but MTV... Rap videos. But this was late seventies, though. MTV didn't pop up to the eighties. Yeah. What? What? When was this movie, though? No, it wasn't seventies. This movie. No, 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 no. Uh, famous scene right here. Famous scene. Best scene. I'm gonna play it right. This now. movie was 1990. This is right in the heart of MTV. And right at the heart of coming off the 80s. MTV, <laughs> the videos. Right. Uh, this is what. This is how white people learned about black folks. Right. But but so in terms of the stereotype and the Mars fear, Blackman. Mars Blackman. Mars Blackman from the from the, that wasn't that's from the uh, Spike Lee commercials. Yeah, the Spike Lee commercials. Right. This is what this is what white people thought. Black but, people. but Spike was in control of that. Yeah, but he still he hammed it up for this for that. Nah, commercial. I wouldn't use that as an example. I'm just saying that. Like was, I said, we go back into the mid to late seventies. White people's interpretation of what scary niggas was was cartoonish. Well, that's also because white people were doing the direction and everything. For exactly. The movie. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, hold on, man. We're right here. Wait. Let me see if I get this right. I got your message, Johnny. You stupid son of a bitch. You running games here? I want to play. Sure, fine, play. Bring your friends. Nah, I want to play with Arnie. Come on, let's go, will you? Jump deals. I'm playing this whole scene. It's two minutes. Blackjack house out. One of the greatest scenes ever. We got some balls coming here. 
Okay. From here on, nothing goes down unless I'm involved. No blackjack, no dope deals, no nothing. A nickel bag gets sold in the park. I want in. <laughs> you guys got fat while everybody starved on the street. It's my turn. It's my turn. Hmm. You think you're going to live long enough to spend that money, you fucking hump? any of you are tired of getting ripped off by guys like that you come with me I'm at the Plaza Hotel you're welcome you're all welcome enjoy Jesus that that scene it, it, you know listening to it right now it's made by watching him kill the dude right because the way he kills him right and then continues to like put emphasis on it. That you right. heard every one of those shots. Yeah. But when you listen to it right now, and I was listening to it, and there's no, no, no picture. You know, mm-hmm. it's the way that they acted was so polite. You think you're gonna have time to spend that money? You fucking pa- hump. Pa- yeah, fucking yeah. hump. Pause. Right. Then you come in with your line. It was just th- there was something that's weird about this movie that I I when I when you we talked about. What was going to be the first one we did? And I said, right. and we came up with Kings in New York, a King in New York. I was like, yeah, this is going to be the good one. This is going to be, this is going to really set it off. And then I watched it. I was like, I, I, I don't remember it being like this. And maybe because when I watched it, I was a kid. And yeah. as a kid, everything is so intense to you because you're a kid and you're looking at adult themes, a, a flash of a nipple, and that's your year. <laughs> but, you know, and, and again, it still holds up. It, but there are parts where you just go, the suspension of disbelief. The the scene where they first show Lawrence Fishburne's character and they give the dude the, the suitcase full of tampons yeah. thinking it's money. These motherfuckers have a full-on gunfight in a hotel room and they just waltz out of there. No police have been called. No call from the front deck. What the fuck? No, no call from the fellow guests. These niggas just shoot up in a hotel room. A nice hotel. Nice hotel. Guns blazing. And these niggas just all walk out of there with no cops coming to a five-star hotel within seconds. Because the line was cool, though. Which was? Tampons. What are these? Those are for the holes. Holes, motherfucker. For the bullet holes. (laughs) That was a cool line. It was a great line. That's such a switch. It's for the bullet holes, motherfucker. (laughs) It's a great line. But just to believe that that could happen, I get, you know, I guess what I, that's where you fall into the fantasy. Okay. I want to know. I think you had this question. We were going to. No, I wouldn't let you ask the question because you, you had a question you wanted to ask me also. But is it, do you, are you already done with your questions? I think it was about the overacting. The overacting might be one. I want to know how the white dude, Christopher Walken, right. is running this whole black situation. You know, that's something I've often wondered about mafia shit. Like, I'm going, okay, I know there's a chain of command, but what's to stop nobody number four from just killing him and it's over? Well, in real mafia. He takes over. In real mafia shit, that happens. Well, it happens from other bosses, from other families, not from dudes within the crew. No, because you have, well. 
That's what I'm saying. We learned about that from uh, uh, what was the movie with uh, Frank Hill? Frank Hill. Uh, Goodfellas. You have to be a made man. You can't touch a made man if you're not. Right. If you're in the crew. I don't know, but it just felt like just your question. But how, all the niggas working for walking. Why couldn't they just kill this motherfucker and, and take it? Because uh, also remember, there's a scene where uh, he goes, he where his uh, the other guy that he killed, he didn't want to have anything to do with him because he's working with the blacks. Right now, how is he the king of the blacks though? Why is the white dude the king of the blacks? Well, you people have always been the king of niggas. <laughs> That's it's tradition. We for some reason you just hold that top tier position over us. I I, I I don't know, man. I don't know how this. I, Which is why, and it's funny. Uh, it's not on now, but when we walked into the hotel room, American Gangster was playing. Yeah, one of my favorite scenes ever. When you talk about niggas being on top, is when Russell Crowe is in the airplane hangar, and I don't know if, what the proper district attorney, FBI, CIA, the guy has him in the room with Russell Crowe's superior, and he's explaining to him who Frank Lucas is, and the guy goes, "Well, what what Italian organization does he work for?" Right, and he goes, "No, no, my studies lead me to believe that Frank Lucas is above the, the mafia." And he goes, you're this close to the end of your career in law enforcement and you're making fucking chokes? No nigger has ever been that high in position. So, yeah, when you go king of the blacks, every now and then there's a rare situation where the nigger is king of the whites. And that was Frank Lucas, an American gangster. Yeah, but... I don't understand. That's what I mean by this movie, though, not developing any of the characters. I didn't know how Walken got to this position. Now, Walken was cool as hell when he walked in there. Right. And everything's cool, but how, why the, Why is he... Right. They were waiting for him to get out of jail. That's the, that's the, the scene right. in the movie. He gets out of jail. They have a party. He, and then and then, and then uh, and he, he orders the hit on the guy in the phone booth, right. which I never understood why they put the ice pick in so the, the phone so, booth door so he couldn't get out. Yeah, because you couldn't pull the door back open. Dude, remember, you're in a phone booth with two niggas outside with machine guns pointed at you. Where was he going to go? Nowhere. Where was he going to go? There was no need for the ice pick. Yeah, it was cool looking. Right. But I, they didn't develop the character. He gets out of jail. and So um, you would like to have had a backstory on I why wanna he was... I want to know who this motherfucker is. That's the thing. <laughs> like All of a sudden, I see all these people following him. I have no reason to follow right, him. And I'm right. like, why are you following him? Right. So that was that was my question, right, I, dude? If if you guys aren't familiar with the movie, go see it. Just some of Lawrence Fishburne swagger, like when he walked into the chicken restaurant. If this nigga could have leaned any more or swayed any more during his walk, he should have fell over. But his, it just it was so over the top. Yeah, but the but move, it seemed like it fit that time. But the move where he when he when he finishes and then he he's not going to pay, right. That's real shit. I've seen. Oh that well, before. yeah. That's just yeah, straight well, yeah, nigga fuck shit. Fuck you, man. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah. This, yeah, dude. Wesley Snipes' intensity in that movie is so fucking great. Him and David Caruso, the bar scene where he goes, Caruso is fed up, and he's determined to get Walken's character, and he basically says to him, "We make thirty six five a year, and we risk our lives night in and night out as cops, and here's this guy making millions, killing people." That is so, in perspective, frustrating to know that that's life. That's life. That now, granted, there's an end to the life of a. What was Chris Walker's name in the character? The character's name in the movie. Um, 
whatever his name is, there's an end to, to that kind of life. You either in jail or you're in a pine box. Frank White. Frank White, underneath the ground. So in terms of, come on, what would you rather live? The safer life is to make the 36.5. But the fact that that is even allowed, and his point too was the system is so fucked up it protects the Frank Whites. But the other part of that is who was really the bad guy at the end? Because Frank White wanted to give back to the community. He wanted the community to have the hospital. He wanted people to be able to be able to be taken care of. He was giving back to the community. He rapes, but he saves. Exactly. <laughs> but they how did they take him down? They the the, the police, the law. Had to go above a, 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 outside the or, law. Or outside the law, or were they the bad guys? In the end of the movie, what did you want? The hospital, or did you want? That, the- that's an interesting thing because it's like the bad guy was the good guy at times, and the good guys were the bad guys. Yeah, it's all fucked. It's mm. just all fucked. But I mean, it's a good movie for that basic jumping off of where we're something else. I didn't believe the death scene for David Caruso. They're at a cop's funeral. Oh yeah, there's a million cops on site. This motherfucker, it was, it would even be maybe believable if he did it in a Lamborghini, where he has a chance of getting away. This motherfucker strolls up in a limo. Well, because rolls down the window and looks at Dave Green, goes, "Hey, you," and blows this motherfucker's brains all over the interior with a shotgun and just drives off as though a million cops wouldn't be on that car in a limo, which yeah. is, which is. For speed purposes, come on, man. But two He part, got away. But two parts to that, though. One is you're not going to notice the limo at the funeral because there's going to be other limos in the fu- in that funeral area. <laughs> so it could sneak in better than a Lamborghini, <laughs> but that's for fucking sure. And two- You're reaching. And two, when he shoots it, though, that's it, it really says, I don't, I don't care if I make it out of this. Because he didn't care. He was done. Yeah, but he wouldn't have made it out of that. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have made it out of the funeral place, but the cops come out chasing him. The cop- it, it's it, it, it's kind of a little bit of a hokey movie now that I look back at it, but there's some good pieces in there. Right. And like you said, the actors and the people in the movie, if you go and look at everybody that's been in the movie, everybody that's in it has been in a lot of different movies. Stella cast. Yeah. They're, even if they're, even if you, we don't know their names, they're, they're really right. recognizable, extra, not extra, uh, uh, character actors. Like I just applaud Steve Buscemi because this motherfucker's been acting since he's been acting and he refuses to get them teeth fixed. I always used to say, uh, some of you niggas' toenails look like uh, Steve Buscemi's mouth. <laughs> Buscemi's part in that movie, and I said this to you when I when we talked about it a little bit, it was completely unnecessary. They just wanted Steve Buscemi in the movie. I mean, but they had to have somebody. Yeah, they didn't have to even check it. They could have just they could have just done it where they killed him. Taking the- but this was Steve Buscemi before he became Steve Buscemi. I know. So he was a working actor who got hired. But what I'm saying is he was such a likable person that they just wanted him in that movie because right. they could have cut that part out. I'm looking at the movie. There's As the chemist? I would have put... They even said, we don't need to check this. Right. It could have just been, this is the coke. All right. right. I'm taking everybody out because right. that's essentially what happened anyway. Got you. Go see the movie, man. Shit. Uh, uh, do we have anything else? We, do, no, I, I, we don't even have time. No, we don't. We got four minutes before we get picked up. Um, I mean, I did have other stuff, but I'm going to be honest with you, man. Uh, the other stuff we could have talked about, at least on my end, I didn't really have much to add. The R. Kelly thing, I have not seen any of the documentary because I've just been too fucking busy. The same way I didn't see none of the uh, the new edition BET movie until I finally got off the road and I T-voted and was able to watch it, which 
when I was on Twitter and all the black people were raving about how great this was, it was fucking phenomenal. And you and I, you're older than me, so if you came up in that era, yeah. that new edition movie was the shit. But I'm saying that to say I didn't get a chance to watch it until I got home because I was busy. So I have to do my work and uh, catch up on the R. Kelly thing. So we'll get this when we're in Denver. The R. Kelly shit. Yeah, next yeah. week. Yeah. Next week we'll get Dave Chappelle said the funniest shit, though. Long story short, he talked about how R. Kelly's goons approached him in Chicago. Right. And R. Kelly came up to him and said, hey, man, how you going to make a video about me pissing on bitches? And Dave went, nigga, how you going to make a video about you pissing on bitches? (laughs) And Neil Brennan on The Breakfast Club said the funniest things. He was like, uh, you know, Kelly's goons approached Dave's goons and the goons negotiated. That was great. I thought that was great, but I didn't know that Chappelle had goons. Every nigga got goons, dog. <laughs> and the higher up on the ladder you get and the more successful the money you got, you need goons and niggas want to be your goons. It's a paycheck. I told you, I had to hire that dude in Memphis. Yeah. Niggas was, you know, I thought it was going to get real. I'm going to have to start lifting weights. <laughs> there it is. Uh, love you guys. Thank you for uh, tuning in and hearing me on my soapbox. Uh, you guys aren't really uh, subscribing to this Patreon the way I need you to. If you're loyal followers of, of me, put your goddamn money where your mouth is. I need you motherfuckers to David Koresh me. Uh, We're about to drop something. Uh, uh, probably in a couple of weeks. Yeah. We've been telling you about it. It is coming. Get to the chopper. Get down. The Arnold Schwarzenegger cartoon is coming, and it is fucking raw. Exclusive content going to Patreon first. So to all my Patreon subscribers, you're going to get it first for exclusive exclusivity exclusivity for 10 days uh but yeah follow me facebook Aries spears on instagram uh youtube Aries spears all that shit a uh, cameo i'm on cameo come get them personalized shout outs baby uh i am fucking done all right and we're gonna be in denver next week and we're gonna be doing the podcast i'm gonna be uh, high as fuck on edibles because I love the edibles out there. So I'm going to be on those. So let's, the, I don't know if it'll make it more interesting to anybody else, but it'll make it interesting to me. And uh, Andy Comedy uh, is me. Uh, you can go to andycomedy.com. All my social media is in the upper right hand corner. Please Instagram me. Instagram question. Uh, get on Instagram some questions to us. We'd love to talk about it on the podcast. And uh, we'll see you next week. Love you. Say, nickel.